We're going? Yeah. Sweat Equity Podcast and streaming show, the number one comedy business podcast in the world. Yeah. Pragmatic entrepreneurial advice with dick jokes. We're a winner of the 2020 Best Small Medium Enterprise Business Advisory Podcast in the United States from Lux Global Excellence Awards, proudly hosted by Lux Life Magazine. Shout out, Lux. What up, Lux? Even though you're a trophy scam, and we only won the award. So Why do you do that? Buy a trophy, because I find Why it... Why are you the way you are? I find it funny. Ugh. Look, I, I will bring... The optimism with our guest Tim Jones with the Whiskey Wolves of the West and his new vinyl out. New albums out on Spotify right now. But before we get into that, let's get into our sponsors. ExpressVPN, try expressvpn.com forward slash sweat. Get you three months free off an annual plan. Virtual private network. A computer in the sky, as my friend used to say. Wow. Don't get tracked in the sky. Don't get tracked by big data. Look, if I die, Eric's gonna wipe out everything. Gotta clear me out. Or I can just go ExpressVPN. No one can track me. Try ExpressVPN.com forward slash sweat. Get you three months free. Try that on your pants. Mm. Mm. Yeah. I'm just gonna make up phrases as I go. (laughs) Try your pants on. Yeah. Grasshopper track. Some people call me cool, Eric. Grasshopper, try grasshopper.com forward slash sweat. It's a $75 off an annual plan. You need, look, you got a side hustle. You need another phone line. Don't use a Google voice because there's a myriad of problems with that. You try to advertise with that number, you can't do it. Try grasshopper.com forward slash sweat. It's a $75 off an annual plan. $75 off a goddamn phone plan. Who else is doing that for you? Not a one no goddamn one. person. Try grasshopper.com forward slash sweat. Like Keith Sweat or Sweat Equity, the titular part of the show. Warby Parker, WarbyParkerTrial.com forward slash sweat. Gets you five free pairs to try on at home. You got prescription glasses? Don't get don't get fucking beat up by big glasses, man. You're already getting beat up for your glasses. Big data, Nerd. big phone, fucking big, big glassware <laughs> out there. Right. Surprisingly, the glasses what? is the biggest monopoly of all of them. Yeah. WarbyParkerTrial.com forward slash sweat. Get the disruptor company that is making it happen. $95 for most of the stylish sunglasses that you're paying $600, $700 for. I can't believe it's that. Not me. Five free pairs of Tron at home. They can fit my oval face. They can fit yours. We ready to get this party started? Okay. Party, Johnny. What about my sweat equity? Boom. Sweat equity. Kind of fodder. I like the raw, like the unedited stuff. All right, well we're recording. It's real life, man. I'm going. I'm trapped here. You're good. I'm good. We didn't know if trapped was emotional or. if you're emotionally trapped or we were frozen on your Zoom. No, I've I've backed myself into like this corner here that I can't really get out of. <laughs> it's like the world's comfiest. Emotionally, corner. yeah. Emotionally and physically. Uh well, let's introduce our guest Tim Jones, Whiskey Wolves of the West. You got the reason we got our bromance back together, your mother in law <laughs> emailed me 
uh, forwarded me y'all's Kickstarter, and I was like, nah, I haven't talked to y'all forever. Yeah, You're- isn't she the best? I don't think I'd seen you since like uh, a Gasparilla or your wedding or I can't remember. Yeah, I just got divorced, so we'll we'll have to have a party for uh, for the exit plan. Yeah, we'll uh, wait till mine's done, then we'll do. Yeah. We're, oh, you guys did a double divorce? Yeah. Yeah, we're doing a bachelor party. <laughs> and a double vasectomy, too? Did I hear that? Yeah. Mm-hmm. We got a Groupon, yeah. You <laughs> <laughs> had to do mine with his the, left uh, hand, but it's no, fine. Or the vasectomy or both? No, you pay more for the divorce. The vasectomy, was, we have to hold hands, was part of the conditions. Yeah. At least that's what well, I told Eric. Groupon's so weird. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, but uh, to let the listeners know, you're... Your wife was my roommate, uh, like 2008-ish, 2009, uh, when I lived in L.A. She yeah, was, so that was the first place that she lived when she moved out there? Yep. Mm-hmm. And you guys were in Santa Monica? Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, pretty and sweet And I think spot. that was right before I met her. Yeah, I mean, she, I dated a girl that lived, like, right around that same area in, like, 2000. Oh, dude. And she was... Or 2005, and I used to ride my bike up and down the Strand there and man yeah that, you guys were in a, in a in a special spot and then i met her just right after i think she and she moved over to uh kind of like the beverly center area yeah well i mean look when she was my roommate she was whoring it up like dicks just all the time just coming in it was like wow did she figure out tinder before it happened kind of thing that looking back at it um, I let her know you said something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I'll get a shitty text. Tim's all flapped up over it. I don't know if you could tell how uh, she won't find that funny. So anxious. How about this? I do. Re- yeah. I, the only thing I do remember is uh, uh, I like living with women because they're uh, much. I don't know. There's they're cl- they make you clean. Yeah. They make you want to be cleaner. Yeah. Uh, and yeah. Then- I mean, we we have a really great relationship. Um, in that I'm super disorganized. I, I'm clean, like, I'm a clean person. I like things clean, but I have no problem like coming home and taking everything out of my pockets at a different location and dropping it around the house. And we, you know, we dated for like five years before we ever lived together. And cause we didn't really, I mean, I lived with her sometimes in Los Angeles when I was not touring and but that was always like her place. I just, you know, had like a suitcase that I would just bring in for like a few days and then and then be gone again. Um, a musician that's unorganized? That's yeah. fucking crazy, dude. <laughs> <laughs> and so she, yeah, when we finally, we rented a place together right before, you know, like when we got engaged in Nashville. And then uh, when we, when we rented our, like when we bought a house in 2014 and we got like, some cabinets and stuff. She was like, this is your drawer <laughs> and all of your stuff goes in this drawer from now on. Yeah. Back when to you your walk in the house, you put your stuff in this drawer. If there's ever anything that you're missing, look in this drawer first before you ask me. Oh man. And I that love drawer it. filled up like in like two days it was filled. Well, I mean, look, she doesn't know how many pogs you carry around in those cargo shorts. So <laughs> you're always out there fucking banging them out, man. So yeah, my- you're bringing home winnings all the time. I haven't had, yeah, I don't worry. I'm, I got to get back into the cargo shorts again. I did see <laughs> myself looking at some cargo pants the other day. Well, you're, as a dad, she'll probably let that slide because, it may, as Dan Cummings uh, has a bit about it, 
uh, your wife just doesn't care what you wear anymore because she, she wants you to be unfuckable to other people. Mm. So plus she, you can hold all her stuff. I, that's not my my wife and I have a, a great relationship as well. Is that jealousy has never even like remotely been uh, an issue with us, and so she still encourages me to look my best. As a matter of fact, she was like, "Is this thing gonna? Is there gonna be like a video with it?" And I was like, "I don't know. I haven't. I didn't ask." And then I got like an email. <laughs> and I checked my email just a few minutes since she had already like got, you know, she's like, you should probably put on a shirt because I'm at my parents' house uh, in Indianapolis. We've been having like post Christmas, Christmas again. And I stayed in my pajamas till four or five o'clock yesterday. And I was pretty close to hitting that point again today if it hadn't been for you guys. Good. Interrupting Good. my pajama party. Well, you know, we're could be alcoholism in uh indiana because they fucking booze i've been there i've been i've stayed there a couple weeks before and uh secretly midwestern people because it gets dark at like four uh-huh yeah in the winter <laughs> they're all like like you feel like they're very nice pleasant people that would never drink and they all do it in their own basement like, oh, like, like four o'clock <laughs> yeah they're like a lot of secret alcoholics in the midwest i found out uh, winter yeah. alcoholics yeah. Yeah, yeah well this is this is just a ginger ale from That's, Winchester, Kentucky. We, we, did, we didn't see that before until you raised it up, but and hold look, on yourself. Look, honestly, we wouldn't care if you're fucking blotto drunk right now. Probably no, I mean, it's awesome. through smoke crack. It's, it's, crack, o'clock, it's three o'clock here. Uh, well, yeah. It's hard to get good crack here in Indianapolis. Yeah, it's been said many a time. But yeah, <laughs> uh, you got to go to Gary, Indiana, I heard. Not South Bend. Mm. That's that's what all I know about crack getting. Uh, Better there. What... um. Tell me about this Kickstarter. So I have a lot of questions about like the music business as it is. Like you're kind of a, a really interesting guest to have on because you're a professional musician. You've had albums out before. Uh, you know, I think everything I've heard. You're, I've been jamming to your stuff uh, a lot this week in prep uh, and just. It's one of those things where I know it from the comedy side how hard it is to, you know, get over that hump you want to get to, right? Uh, how do you make any money now, uh, especially in the COVID time when you can't tour, um, doing music? I, I just I'm so like square one about it. I don't want to try to make any assumptions because I usually in the music world what I think is not how it goes a lot of the time. Yeah. Well, my father-in-law asked the same question <laughs> last week. Who is great, you know? My my mother-in-law is like a full. They they have been big supporters since since I met Katie. Um, I'm asking my on wife a, now. On, on a curious standpoint, not on a uh, dad standpoint. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> What's your plan, Tim? What's, What's the, plan the plan here? What's the plan? Where it's you nine see months into this pandemic. Where, where do you, what are you going to do with your life? You good enough for my daughter uh, well, or not? Before I forget, no. your Kickstarter also had an awesome, uh, what do they call it, an, uh, a gift, a reward. If you pledge $200, you do a drunk history with them. With you. Yeah, yeah. It's, 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 it's sold out now. It's just, but so, I'm, and, and one of the great things about... We might steal that idea, honestly. Yeah. So. I mean, we could do like a whole Kickstarter episode of what I've, I've learned from it in, in the just, last couple okay. months. Great. Hit but, us. Let's do it. Um, but I'll, I think... There are, you know, this is a, a nuanced uh, a question because even before the pandemic, as a songwriter, the revenue stream that 
we were getting has been basically eliminated by Spotify and and Apple Music and YouTube, where people are listening to music all of where you would get paid before from selling records as a songwriter or from being on the radio as a songwriter. Uh, all of those have basically just been trickling down to nothing, where even if you were like a multi-platinum songwriter, you were seeing, you know, pennies on the dollars of, of what you were making before. But so we kind of tried to game the system as Whiskey Wolves of the West, and we released a song every other Wednesday for almost two years. And okay. so we were just putting out everything there, still like ultra quality, but a lot of quantity um, to try and just hit this, you know, whatever the algorithm was on Spotify to try and put as much out there where it's, you know, as opposed to trying to have one song that got a million plays, have 50 songs that get 20,000 plays each, you know, which I think, doesn't that equal a million? Uh, I was told yes. there would be no math. Um, uh, so, and, and that did help a lot as far as, you know, apparently people in 77 countries listened to us and we had over a half a million plays between all the songs that we have out, out there, but still, it's just not enough revenue stream for one person to live on, much less two, because I have a, a business partner in Whiskey Wolves of the West, Leroy Powell, who makes most of his money as a session guitar player on uh, a lot of Dave Cobb's records, which like this year, he's played on Shania Twain and Dolly Parton and Barry Gibb and uh, Travis Tritt and like all these old school country people, the Oak Ridge Boys, but also did like Sturgill Simpson's uh, uh, first record and, and Chris Isaac and uh, Cody Jinks and all this kind of outlaw country, the Nashville, the new Nashville sound um, that, you know, if you Google who Dave Cobb is, you can see all of producer of the year and, and stuff that he's done. So Leroy is, has, that's still a place for him to make money. I am not a studio musician. I've always been like a, a, a singer and a songwriter and um, more of like an, an entertainer. And so the majority of my income was coming through live music playing, which in Nashville is great because you can do, you can play live for a lot of the tourists that come through, play your own music, play covers. And then that ended up generating a lot of private events and corporate parties and stuff like that, which really en enhanced our ability to make revenue without feeling like we needed to be sustained by our art, which thus freed us up to make more pure art. Yeah. 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 That's interesting. I, I recently just learned that, uh, you know, back in the day, it was really more songwriters made the real coin. Uh, yeah. And if you got to be, you know, one of the labels go to people after a while, like you're just you're because it because the what is it the residual um, whatever it is yeah the, yeah it was the it was nine time nine, or whatever yeah nine point two cents per song up to ten songs per album. So if you were the sole songwriter on an album, you know, that so you'd be getting 92 cents per album sold. And if the album sold a million copies, then you got $920,000. So that was a big revenue stream where if you just even had one song on a Tim McGraw record that shipped 6 million copies, then you were good for, you know, the year. 
Interesting. As a, as a songwriter, which and still, you know, those places to get to that level, you're pretty much only dealing with a group of songwriters, probably, you know, 300 songwriters in all of Nashville and all of the world that are being considered for those kind of, you know, albums where it's not like somebody's just going to come into Nashville with a song and be like, I'm going to get it on Tim McGraw's record, you know, even with the, even with all the people that I know and the music that I've, that I've played and the stuff that I've done, it's still very hard for me to crack in to, uh, that game, even though I have a ton of friends that are in it and a ton of friends that, that run it as well. And then at this point to try and work to do something like that is, is, you know, it it doesn't really pay off. Yeah. So it's, that's interesting because, you know, I'm thinking about it from like a, a a writer perspective on the comedy side and it's kind of the same upper echelon and you got to kind of wait for a lot of guys to die to get in that kind of upper crowd no matter how funny you are you might not get in that area you want to yeah yeah. that's what they told you huh that's just we're just waiting for larry to die it was was a tall it was (laughs) eddie gordetsky's the best punch-up guy man but it's like one of those things where uh, you, you Name got, dropper. You gotta. Uh, that's like an old school reference. I don't even know how I know. Nobody. That. Uh, I'm gonna drop as many names as I can today. I don't know if you've listened to. This well, we far, we take like this. 20. We transcribe this podcast using Otter.ai, and every time we kind of do a lot of more famousy kind of names or, or or specific names of people that have niches, it, it helps our SEO. Yeah. So. Oh, what is the, what is Otter.ai? This is I like the this sound is of Zoom, this and then uh, we we have it with Otter which is an AI transcription app. So we drop the file in there and then it'll put out like a transcript of the whole thing. And, and then where did, how does that, does that go along with the YouTube video and does like search engine optimization? Um, we need to get there. I've, I've dropped, I've shit the bed on basically well, our YouTube SEO. Yeah. Bed. The YouTube side of things were basically non-existent, but for our website, it can act as a blog post, which boosts SEO. Oh, okay. Because it's, you know, all those words. Well, I need to learn about all this. Yeah, because if there was even just like the connections that I mentioned, if somebody was looking for, you know, a Sturgill Simpson song that also liked, you know, Leroy Powell, then we would want them to find Whiskey Wolves of the West. But oh, that yeah. is, is, is something that as, as people who are completely autonomous in our art, we're also completely autonomous in our, in our business which means that we're doing everything and there's just at some point there's like a you know it's like well i've got two kids i also need to sleep what else you know how can i do some more search and yeah. optimization or what what am i going to focus on today to try and make you know if you do one thing a day for your art i think you're you're doing great and and sometimes the nuances of that sort of business where we want to attract as many people possible but without hiring somebody to do that for you it becomes um it's hard to do it Paul. well you, look hit me up if you ever need any any like hey i want to try to do this i don't even know where to look i do yes don't, I do. don't I, hesitate I, to hit me up i love uh, I will. sharing the nerd knowledge it's kind of a, a part of the reason we have this podcast is like oh here's a cheat code i heard or we're learning if other musicians aspiring musicians because you have to be your own entrepreneur marketer if you want to do any art at a professional level now you know yeah 
You waving it well, at I'm, us? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a list of, uh, of questions I'll, I'll send over. Thanks for opening that door. Yeah, man, <laughs> of course. Uh, and, like, as I'm, I'm listening to you uh, talk about all this, it, it, yeah, we, we try to keep these episodes pretty quick, and I've got a lot of different ways to go to ask you a bunch of questions. I'm like, why don't you have, why don't y'all have a podcast going? We, we talked about it like a couple of years ago, just because Leroy is, is super knowledgeable about so much in, in the industry. And I, you know, I like talking, I like people. Um, but I think at the, at the time, and I just and felt you're, like you're funny. That's why we, I, oh, I, I thanks, like, man. you're gregariously funny. Like you're conversationally funny. That's, that's kind of, and you don't, and with a podcast, you don't really have to try to be funny if it happens, it's great, right? Yeah. But you push too much for it, it feels fucking thirsty. Yeah. You know. And well, I yeah, I feel like there was a, a, a at the time when we t- talked about doing it, there just seemed like an overwhelming abundance of people that were doing podcasts and not the same market of people that wanted it. But now I feel like there is so much of an abundance of people that want it, and for each you know uh, uh, niche of the thing where somebody was like, I want to know how to break into the comedy business. And your all's podcast would come up where if somebody else was like, I want to know the history of songwriting or the Nashville studio sound or whatever you like that. If you did the right tags that, that we, if we had a podcast that something would come up and more that you have like a historical record, you know, I have a history degree and I would be into, uh, trying to see this later on from a, a different perspective and be like, Oh wow. That's what I thought when I was, you know, 40 years old. That's interesting. Yeah, look, uh, look, yeah, you can, you can not don't, what I would say is don't keep it to, it needs to be, we need to talk about this. It, like people like the personal stuff, bring up any historical shit. If it's you and your partner or whatever, just going back and forth. I think people would like to hear about the, um, the ride, like y'all trying to do as you're doing it. I think that's wildly interesting for, for yeah. listeners. Yeah, like a documentary for yourself, audio. Yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, that's a great I feel, idea. I feel like, and we always talk about this, don't get hung up in like, well, there's 900,000 podcasts in the world uh, and we're, we're just going to be like, you know, a speck of sand in the desert kind of thing. And it's like, don't fuck, don't fuck with that at all. Just if you had 100 people listen, right? that were loyal listeners, think of them in a room listening to you guys for fucking however long you want to do your podcast, right? Yeah, no, you're totally right. It's not like I ever played music based upon whether or not there are 100,000 other <laughs> right. bands right. out there. Like, right, so that I, never... I want to break you of that defeatist kind of thing because I do that too. I'm like, wow. Well, yeah, well, that's a point. Yeah, it's like, uh, fuck it. I mean, everybody's doing that. Yeah. And, no, the, I mean, the, the Kickstarter thing was definitely broke down a lot of my uh, ego barriers as well because I was the person who, when I would see like a pledge music or a Kickstarter or an Indiegogo or a GoFundMe or something like that. I was just like, oh, really? Like, does this person need my money? Or, like, why Why are they asking for money? Or, or, And ours was a different scenario where we weren't asking for money. We had already made the albums. We were just letting people, like, pre-buy the records and pre-buy the events because essentially there – we didn't find any way to sell the albums anymore or to generate publicity or hype without something like that. It was either hire a publicist 
hoped that some people that they would get some articles, you know, spend three thousand dollars a month on a publicist for three months in hopes that you would get some kind of traction so that people could buy, you know, so that you would sell 500 records where I was like, well, why don't we take the people that we know, get them to commit to an amount that's equal to selling 500 records basically, and then not have the worry of that. And if we make enough then we can still hire the publicist, we've already sold the records and uh, we can generate some more interest off of that without the 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 weight of being in the red on our back. Well, that I makes mean, sense. yeah, no, that makes sense. And I think, you know, if I'm I'm thinking about it as a uh when I, you know, really into music uh when I was much younger and you want to be like first on a band or like you want to yeah. You know, like you want to be like I, I told knew them you when, about them. There's a lot right of, back then. I'm the coolest. Like I listened to Outkast in '92 as a really suburban white kid. I don't know how I, I found them. Just because you're so cool. Southern playlistic Cadillac music, and then they blew up. Uh, and my my mom knows them with like, you know, Hey Ya or something. Yeah. And you're like, God damn, really? Everybody? And then everybody thinks they knew Outkast when you know. But not yeah, any earlier I mean, than you, though. Hootie hoo! Yeah. yeah. I mean, I was booking bands in Los Angeles or in, and singer songwriters mainly at the Hotel Cafe. I, I had every Sunday night there from like 2002 to 2008. And there were so many people whose first shows that I booked and that I, you know, feel like I helped discover in some way. And, but none of it matters now. It doesn't matter if I'd be like, yeah, I booked Himes for a show or Colby Calais or uh, Jonathan Wilson or, you know, Katy Perry played my. Oktoberfest charity, you know, and, and like everybody's like, oh, that's that's neat. Hmm. We're none of it. None yeah. of it really oh, okay. It's just my it's just my ego that makes me want to think that I'm important in some way, and eventually none of that stuff matters. Where I like, I was working there and booking bands as a, as a way to make extra money and further my own art and and career. But I really enjoy doing it as well. There's nothing that I would do for very long that I didn't enjoy in, in some way. And since this has been, uh, you know, my, my whole career, it's definitely taken, I'm, I'm disliking the word pivot now. It just seems like everyone. (laughs) (laughs) We've been saying that is the most fucked out word in in (laughs) marketing world or whatever this or content uh, kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think same. everybody is over it. You know, the same as like, I mean, unprecedented became like just a, you know, like everybody's so overhearing that like eight months ago. Well, that was the word of the year according to Webster's, I think. Yeah, I'm cool. sure. Cool. And, Who's and a cool guy. I, I just wanted to. Uh, Outcast and word of the year. But it, <laughs> I got a lot of range. Fuck, you fuck got yeah, bro. Range. Miriam Webster's calling. <laughs> um, I didn't know. Um, it just is. I think it's you know as well as Midwesterners being uh, uh, some some dark alcoholics. Sometimes there is a certain work ethic that people have here that I was definitely instilled with of being like, okay, so you felt bad for yourself or whatever for however many days. Like now it's time to figure it out, and nobody else is going to figure it out for you. So. Uh, yeah, and then you've got two uh, young kids, like we both do uh, respectively, and it's it's one of those things, that'll also be that, uh, that can be a little light, and, like get your 
a little fucking flame under your asshole to get going because you're like, <laughs> you know, why your asshole? Yeah, why is it says that right there. under your ass? Cool. Just be like a. You gotta, I get that close. <laughs> you gotta get that close. Oh, I got a story to tell you, by the way. Oh boy, I can't wait. Well, like, yeah, but I mean, but that they're, they're they're to me sometimes it's it's a reminder like to get to that next level and not and not wallow and not just sit there in that. I guess it's pity. I don't know, but like that area where you're just not moving. Yeah, you're thinking well, and you're thinking it, about doing shit and not doing it too is another big thing i've got where i'll yeah. be like i'll get that going and now i've i've been really working on going like stop fucking thinking about it. just go do it just yeah. you see a piece of uh, trash on the ground just pick it up don't think about picking yeah. it up i like to do the thing cool. I like make my body move first before my mind even thinks about it just move your body yeah yeah and some yeah some sometimes that's that's it and and, and you know answering the phone or answering a message and when somebody asks you to do something you say yes, even though it's like out of your comfort zone or, or, or what have you. I mean, before we were saying no to so many things just because our schedule was, was that busy. And so we just kept setting our price higher and higher. Somebody wanted us to do an event and we're like, well, we've got all these other things that are more comfortable to do there in town. That's why we never really tour, you know, as, as whiskey wolves of the West, we'll do festivals and, and private events and corporate things, but there were so many things that people would ask us to do, and it just wasn't worth it for us to leave town, leave our wives and our kids at home to go play, you know, a show in Atlanta for five hundred bucks. It's like that just doesn't. No, doesn't make, no, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. Um, so, in insane no, in setting boundaries, then we found ourselves becoming more and more successful and being able to dictate what we wanted to do, and. So even in, even in, and we've done stuff virtually like that. We've done, we started doing, uh, you know, whereas before we would play every Saturday night, we used to do it at this place called the Sutler in Nashville. And then we played at the National Palace right across from the Grand Old Opry. That was like an old school honky tonk that Jerry Reed used to uh, own. And we, it took like a month or so, like March and April to, we were just like, what, what are we going to do? You know, and then we just started playing in our backyard, in my backyard around like a fire and people really got into it. We were still, you know, it's charitable donations, you know, from people. We would just put our Venmo up there. We never asked for, for money. We were just like, if you have a, if you want to request a song, then here's the Venmo, here's the PayPal y'all can give. And so the unemployment office can't really uh, be upset because we weren't contracting a job. We weren't getting paid. It was just charity from from people giving us just like a tip jar, mm-hmm. uh, but there was no like promise of employment or anything else like that. And, but we did it every week, and it really it made us happy. It made other people happy. Where at first I was like I had never live streamed a thing before. When I would see somebody with like an acoustic guitar on a live stream, I would just like shut it off uh, <laughs> immediately. Where we would, and but then we also we tried to make it more into a show where I would watch people play with um an acoustic guitar and then they would end and there's just silence there and it's like the most uncomfortable thing is you you know as you <laughs> know as you stand up like the, you know when it's just you and three or four people and the people aren't laughing it's really hard to get that energy going so we tried to do it turn it more into like a show we had like a a laugh track that we would play um and we would you know have jokes and conversations in between katie would be there reading off the requests 
uh, from people. And I think like any, you know, it's so much better to do a podcast when you have two people. A gathering is like two people, you know, and an audience or something else. So as long as you have three people together, it turns into, uh, uh, I think, a gathering. And the whole audience is like, I mean, you know, at times there were 100 people watching live and times there were only 50 people watching live. But it didn't really change the performance for us because I couldn't even see how many people were watching. Right, right. I can't see that far. Like, I see this as a conversation. It's just nice to catch up with you, right? It, it honestly, having a podcast gives me a reason to hit y'all up and just yeah. say what's up. So there. Well, thank you for we, having me on. By we've talked. I mean, we've talked about it before. There's like twenty like benefits of doing a show that we never we never thought about when we're doing it. It, but like one of those things is reaching out to people and go, oh, this is interesting, and I haven't talked to him in five years. Let's let's see if he wants to come on and just talk about what he's doing. Uh, you could do it if you're. Uh, there's a lot of business podcast people now that are doing it to get a, in the door to meet people that they need to talk to, like marketing yeah. agencies. Mm. I got asked to be a guest on a podcast, and then at the end of it, I was like, so this is your lead generation way. You're playing to the ego of, of people. And he's like, what? Yeah. I was like, yeah, yeah I know what you're no, doing. That's, <laughs> I mean, I, I hadn't even thought about that, but that is a great thing because it's been hard for Leroy and I, who are both veterans of, of the music scene and the music business and who have a lot of famous friends and have a lot of famous business people and, and even the people that we would like to ask something from, you know, to be like, well, could you put us on, you know, this Dolly Parton show, or could you have us open for Travis Tritt on this, you know, thing or whatever, which now doesn't, it's kind of non-existent right now because nobody has any, any plans or the foresight of when. Yeah, but dig, dig the well before you're thirsty. You know, this, this is a good time to, to, to strategize, to set yourself up when everything goes back to kind of green light, you know, vaccines yeah, totally. are going out, you know, and. But I was just saying it was, it, it had become hard for us to sell ourselves, you know, basically to, to people and to do those ask without feeling like it then distance us from other opportunities that those same people might provide. But if you were like, Hey, do you want to be on our podcast? You know, then uh, for her manager or for her booking agent or whatever else, then that's a lot different as opposed to making a, a direct ask where if you just put, that in your mind i'm just saying that's a great you know it's, it's a great way to have a conversation with somebody and and even whether or not you want something from them or not oh well, yeah i mean like we've talked about it it is a little bit of therapy I, for a while this could be the only like long form conversation i would have all week you know like this podcast would be it sometimes. Uh, yeah. It'd just be, Isn't every conversation you have long form, though? Because <laughs> I'm, I'm a blowhard? Yeah. yeah but <laughs> I, love, I love to bloviate, but I'm saying, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> you love that. Miriam? <laughs> Webster? <laughs> yeah. Here? Blowhard? Uh, I'm very loquacious. I'm just trying to think yeah. of all the SAT words. He's Googling them. Um, in my brain, bro. But I'm saying, I'm thinking, uh, we're, I was writing out goals for this show this year, and I was just like, all right, we need to get up to, uh, I've heard if you get to 100,000 loyal listeners as a comic, you can book, that's all you need. 
is the 100,000 strong. To, as yeah, like, that'd be way more than you need, but I don't know. I guess if that was global. Of like, but the thing about podcast stuff is different. It's an intimate relationship. It's in your earbuds for most people, right? Yeah. And it's, it, the big thing we'll tell you is when you start doing it, just do it Keep with the doing same it. frequency. Yeah. Like we fucked well, up yeah, a couple weeks my... ago and dropped a bunch of shit. Like we saw a big drop in numbers. Yeah. Well, I, um, one of my, the things that will turn me off the quickest about a podcast is when the guests or there's like different levels, you know, and I've heard this on even super big podcasts, especially now because a lot of people are calling in over zoom. But if like the guest voice is way down low and then the host voice is way up here and then you have to keep adjusting it in your headphones or your, you know, like I want to hear like a consistent, smooth, uh, pleasing, sonorous voice on all ends. <laughs> Shit, now I got to go back and listen to I this know. one to make sure it's not all fucky. Um, well, it's like a compressor. You know, there's probably a compressor or a ASL or something that, that you could put on it to make it. American uh, Sign Language. So here's, here's, so here's what I do. With that thing where you're just you're putting that almost like a speed bump ahead of doing it, right? So it's like I got to worry about this problem, right? I just uh, I used to do this, and I reminded myself of doing it. And it helps. I just go. This has to exist somewhere that I can streamline it. Like someone's created a way to just automate this uh, audio issue I might have. Right? It's got to yeah. exist. It's uh, somewhere or plug yeah. in or something that takes whatever amount of minutes or seconds to do. Um, yeah. You know, it's one of those things that like I'll I'll figure that out. That's that's an easy figure out. It's more about like. Yeah. Uh, it's like going for a lot of people that are going to start their new year's resolutions to go work out. The hardest part is like just getting out of the house with your fucking shoes, on, your sneakers on Yeah, to go exercise. Like that's the, well, that's the, yeah. I mean, as, so just as, start is what I'm saying. As much music as I've done and have made vinyl records before I'd, I'd never done, I'd never paid for it myself and I'd never gotten into the brass tacks of what all goes into it. And one of the things is that you basically have to master your music specifically for vinyl because a lot of times you, when you're mastering for for Spotify or for the radio or for just you know digital platforms, they're pushing the bass way up because the files get squashed down um, so much. So this is like a lesson in, in mastering that even if you did, hmm. you got to get the right program for your right format. I didn't. I, did, I didn't know that. Yeah. Well, we. Like, I didn't know that either. So. Uh, Couple, I just kind of thematically. What, the only reason I'm really kind of pushing for you to do this is, a, you you kind of told us like, you're fine. You're you're becoming entrepreneurial and finding other revenue streams. And so, as a friend, I'm saying, we'll get you our ad, uh, our 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 ads people, so you can get the you know the, what are they called? Um, I have no affiliate account. marketing link okay. ad oh. stuff. Like yes. Ah. At least get yes. you there. We'll get you to our rep over there. But this it can be another huge revenue uh, directly if it does take on a life. And you have you already have a probably a loyal fan base of people. But we have yeah. to run in a second. So the one question I'm going to ask that we try to ask all our guests the first time on is what advice would you give to your 13-year-old self? Ooh. Uh... 
Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll vamp while you think. <laughs> my, 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 you know, if, well, my mind was going to a lot of like uh, weird and funny stuff, but I think. Go for it. Yeah, jerk off stuff. Yeah, yeah, like jerk off as much as possible, which I was already doing. So keep that, on trucking. Yeah, yeah, keep on trucking. Uh, I think that, that was your favorite is, instrument. Bam. Yeah, I think I had. I think I. I started <laughs> smoking marijuana for the first time that uh, when I was thirteen. Ooh, that's fine. Now you don't smoke it. You know, take it in some kind of different form that wasn't available then. Uh, uh, I don't know. I. I I don't have a, a lot of advice for my 13-year-old self. I'd say for my – I got really motivated when I was, like, 19 years old to make music my career. Uh, in my history of rock and roll class at, at Indiana University, Mike Wanchik, uh, who was John Mellencamp's guitar player, came in and talked and kind of told us the whole spiel about how that, that they had started, how they got signed, how then and then how basically – you know, after four different record deals, they ended up having hits with um, Jack and Diane. And then how that he has, has had like a sustained career as a producer and all this other stuff. And I was like, okay, I got this. And I think somewhere in my brain, I got really confused with the commerce of music and the art side of it, where the art always came, you know, so easy that I became more obsessed with the commerce uh, part of it. And I think a lot of times to the, to the detriment of the art part. But then again, anybody else, it, it's, it's hard to say that because I have been able to make a career off of playing music where most people never do do that. So maybe focusing on the commerce wasn't a bad idea. So Yeah, don't kick the shit out of yourself about that part. I do that with stand-up too. It's like if I'm doing this too much we're trying to go in this direction in comedy because it's more lucrative business-wise am i not doing the art it's justice kind of thing and yeah. by art i mean talking about uh diarrhea and pickled egg jars <laughs> at gas stations <laughs> right. but um my colonoscopy where i shit my pants driving my car or the day before the colonoscopy i should say um <laughs> but uh we got a split man um Appreciate. Where can people? Note. Where can people follow? Yeah, you? on that note, uh, what's it? What's a, a link we can tell people to go to or whiskeywolvesofthewest.com. There's links to the Kickstarter. There's links to Spotify. There's links to YouTube videos. Whiskeywolvesofthewest.com. Thanks for having me on, Eric. I wanted to hear more about the uh, Wim Hof method. Oh, dude, I think you and I have a lot to talk about. You can teach me yeah, some audio been, stuff. Been fascinated. Maybe we'll have part two next year. Yeah. We'll have you on in a couple months. We'll have you on in a okay, couple buddy. weeks. Give a couple weeks. Yeah. Do it tomorrow. Yeah, I don't bro. Know. We'll do a part two whenever, man. All right. Thanks, care. Thanks, care. Take care. Thanks. <laughs> thanks, care. Yeah, what's in that ginger ale, bro? He's out. See ya. Thanks, thanks and dude. care. <laughs> See ya. See ya.